0: All right, everybody. Good morning. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the first official week of summer. Feels like it, certainly. Uh, but that means football is not too far away, Wiz, as uh, I guess we're about three or four weeks from uh, preseason camps opening. And uh, I, I know in some of our leagues there is more chatter than normal uh, as we head into yeah. season. People are chomping at the bit a little bit, and that's a, that's a good thing. Maybe preparation will be a little stronger this year.
1: Yeah, It's always a good thing. Uh, it's interesting, actually, the draft, uh, one of the drafts that uh, we're in, we're, uh, we're uh, opposing each other. Uh, I think we're sitting down just about two weeks from today, I mean two months from today for that draft. Our draft for that one is August 30th, so you know, we're getting close. We're almost at uh, the first week of July, and um, it's it, it won't be it won't be too long before it's really upon us. So, uh, we we like talking about it and preparing, and uh, we we feel we have a really interesting um, podcast today.
0: Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, on this podcast in particular, we, we have spoken pretty openly. Um, I think we're evolving as uh, the, the game has changed. And, and we're, this is kind of about the running back position. Not 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 specific on the running back, but what we're going to talk about today is something that you came up with, Wiz, is, is about handcuffs. We, we've talked about it in the past, but... I think given uh, given the shifting sands in the NFL and player usage and stuff, it's 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 kind of a little more more difficult than it has been in the past to define what a what a handcuff is because uh, this is no longer the era of a of a bell cow running back.
1: Yeah, that's right, and uh, I think there's a real misconception when it comes to handcuffs, uh, the terminology of it, talking about it, and then uh, I think at least in my mind, there's. There's some certain criterias for it uh, as you head into a draft, and uh, if, for me, the definition of a handcuff is not is not who's the best running back that's not a starter. Um, it's not A.J. Dillon is a handcuff to Aaron Jones. That's not right. That's not right because. Both running backs have standalone value, and quite frankly, during the course of the season, um, both guys will be getting a good amount of playing time, and A.J. Dillon will outscore Aaron Jones in, in, in some of the games during the season. And uh, You have to spend a lot of equity, early equity, um, to get two players like that, and, um, and that's not the definition of a handcuff. I have three criterias for a handcuff. One is the backup you could get for almost next to nothing in an auction draft and almost the last round or the round before last in a snake draft. That's one. Two is if there's an injury, that player will get the lion's share. We'll have the lion's share of the carries. And criteria three is – If he gets his opportunity, he's going to do something about it. Those are now. Though not only is that my criteria is for handcuff. This is what we're doing in terms of the top five handcuffs, where we feel not only will the player get the lion's share of the carries, but also get in there and actually be very productive. So. That's how I view handcuffs, not just who is the best running back on a team in the NFL that isn't a starter. That That's that's not the definition of a handcuff. And when you think and view handcuffs, what, what comes to mind for you? Yeah,
0: so the so the other thing is that, that I did try to take a look at for the purpose of this particular podcast was obviously the running back rooms for a lot of NFL teams, they, they differ, right? There there are some teams, let's, let's take the Eagles, for example, right? And I don't know how use is exactly going to play out, right? But – they trade for DeAndre Swift. They signed on a cheap deal, uh, Rashad Penny. They still have holdovers in Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. All of those running backs do a lot of different things, right? Um, they're going to be used in different situations. But the fact of the matter is that if we, if I look at that particular depth chart, that's one of the deeper depth, depth charts in the NFL, okay? So, so that's one thing I, I definitely look at. The other thing I do look at, and I think we've talked about this before, when a player goes down because of injury, Um, especially one of those elite running backs, a lot of times, Wiz, uh, you and I both know, it's not going to be one running back that comes in to replace that player. Uh, You know, let's, a classic, I think this has been the case over a number of years now, with the LA Chargers and Austin Eckler, who isn't, you know, isn't your prototypical bell cow back, But the fact of the matter is he leads that team in touches every year because of how many receptions he gets. But, you know, a player like that goes down, they're not replacing him with one player. They're going to replace him with two, maybe three players. And I think those are two other factors that I kind of look at in addition to kind of what you're you're mentioning. You know, If there's less room to interference by other running backs within those running back rooms, uh, that's something that would lean me in the direction of considering that handcuff uh, particularly valuable.
1: I, I agree. And like uh, like you were saying, all of these rooms are different. So it really has to be, I guess, a perfect situation uh, or what we view as the perfect situation. So we're going to go from five to one, um, what we feel are the best handcuff players in the NFL. And I'll start it off. And I don't know how you did. We We have not talked one. For one second about which players we're going to use in this podcast but for me there were four teams and four players that i felt very strongly about from four to one as far as five goes to me at least for me it was difficult and there were several teams i think i'm going to go a little bit outside the box on this one but starting at five and going to one and i'll just go to five and we'll keep going back and forth um for me number five i have pierre strong with Damian Harris out of the way, <clears throat> Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the player that is going to get you know, uh, the lion's share of the carries, and he's a terrific player. But I feel without Harris being there now, if something were to happen to Stevenson, Pierre Strong is a player that they feel good about. Um, they liked him. They liked the fact that they drafted him, and when he got in there at a limited role, he played well. I think it's it's outside the box, but again, there were four that I felt great about. This one was uh, the fifth one was a little tough for me, but number five as the fifth best handcuff in my book, I'm going with Pierre Strong from the Patriots. Yeah,
0: it's it's one of the names and situations that I definitely looked at. I think. Uh... The fact that Stevenson is going to be kind of more on an island this year with no Harris, as you said, is is important. Uh, I think you know this talk about Ty Montgomery, who's got to be close to thirty-two or thirty-three years old by now, uh, and doesn't seem to be able to stay on the field either, uh, taking away from things. I just don't see it. But I, I like I like the thought process. It's it's not it's not one of the names on my list, uh, but I, but I like the the thought process on it, Wiz.
1: All righty, let's hear who you have. Which
0: player is your fifth best handcuff this year? Yeah, you know, I, like you, I kind of went back and forth on this, uh, but I I really do think uh, the Cleveland Browns believe in Jerome Ford. Uh, they want to run the football. Uh, there is no longer uh, Kareem Hunt in the, on the roster. And, and to me, with Nick Chubb, who has been at times prone to injury and is the legit bell cow back for the Cleveland Browns now, but Jerome Ford to me, on a team that wants to run the football, uh, is number five for me, Was
1: I like that one so much that I have it at number four. So Jerome Ford was my fourth one. Uh, agree completely with everything you said. Let me add into the fact that their offensive line on the Browns is elite, one of the probably the three to, best, three to five best offensive lines in football. So <clears throat> I'm not going to waste more time. I have Jerome Ford as number four on my list. Who
0: do you have it for on your list? So I, I want to, you know, again, some of these some of these uh, cases, uh, you know, obviously we, we need to determine kind of what the pecking order is going to be as we watch what happens in camps and stuff like that. Um, I know Doug Peterson really likes to use his running backs. Uh, he's got a lead running back that at times last year was, I, I don't know, Maybe it's my imagination. I did own the player in a couple of leagues. I do love the player as well. But I think a lot of times last year, I got very concerned when I saw uh, Travis Etienne kind of rising up slowly, getting off the field sometimes. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, like I said, Peterson loves to use running backs. I'm not sure who's going to be number two here. Uh, they drafted Tank Bigsby. Uh, and they have Deontay Johnson, who came from Cleveland. One of those guys is going to be an important handcuff. I'm just not sure which one is going to be. But again, the, f- the system is important here. Uh, but I like that Jacksonville situ- situation. Whoever is the handcuff to Travis Etienne to be an important one uh, come draft time.
1: Yeah, and I agree with the thought process, but because of the the reasons that you exactly named, I couldn't put uh, either of those guys um, on my list because I think that'll be one of the situations where if ETN goes down, that'll be a situation that um, they'll be using a few guys. So you like the offense and uh, the thought process is good. I just wasn't sure in my mind looking at it uh, the same way you can't name a player to put in that spot, I wasn't able to do either. That's why um, I left that that, situ- that Jacksonville uh, situation off. But uh, again, I understand the thought process. Um, third on my list is clear to me, and that's going to be <clears throat> Tyler Algier, who was terrific. He was terrific down the stretch, was terrific as a rookie. The offensive line looked good. They wanted to run the ball. They were able to run the ball. Uh, unfortunately for that player, they drafted Bijan Robinson, who is going to get the lion's share of the carries. But it is clear as day to me that Tyler Algier is one of the best handcuffs uh, for people drafting this year to Bijan Robinson. So I have Tyler Algier number three on my list. Uh, yeah,
0: he, he he's actually number two for me. So I'll I'll go with my number three now. Um, So uh, I I don't disagree. So, uh, you know, we're not going to cover it again. uh, But reasons well taken. Actually, if you look from a running back production standpoint, in terms of yardage in the second half of the season, uh, he was top seven in the league last year. I mean, you know, (laughs) Smith let him go wild uh, towards the end of the season. And and actually, shockingly, um, that Atlanta Falcon offensive line really came around with uh, as the season progressed last year, ended up being one of the better units in the league. Um, so I think that's a, 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 a and, and, and we know that they want to run the football, uh, not, a, not a powerful running attack. So I, I love the Algier pick. I actually have him one uh, one step up. Uh, the guy that I have at number three, though, uh, for me, in when I look at touches in the NFL last year, you go right to the top of the list, and who was number one? It was Josh Jacobs. Uh, and that means Zamir White is going to become a much more valuable guy in the event that Josh Jacobs goes down. Uh, he's the clear cut, um, I believe, the clear cut handcuff uh, to what Jacobs uh, to Jacobs situation in for the Raiders. Uh, we know McDaniels wants to run the football. Uh, they're going to be coming in with a new quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but I think Zamir White this year was uh, gets my nod at number three um, for best handcuff in the NFL coming into the the two 23 season.
1: Yeah. I hear you on the carries and the volume that Jacobs had. I just wasn't sure. I know they wanted to use white more last year and they just didn't get the opportunity or just didn't, or for whatever reason, I think Jacobs volume was incredible. So I understand the take. I was just looking at it and looking at maybe they had a few guys there. So I wasn't so quite sure on that one, but, uh, certainly if you look at the volume and then take away those carries that he got they gotta go somewhere so I definitely understand the reasoning behind that and uh, as far as my number two goes this is a player that I really like and I think it's setting up really well for him is Malik Davis for the Cowboys Um, and, and this thing can get tricky right we're only at the end of June here and we're not quite sure of the Status of Pollard So this could kind of turn into At least at the beginning of the season More of a 1-1A one and one a type of situation But assuming Pollard's a full go Without Ezekiel Elliott there And with the production That Malik Davis had On a good offense um, I'm feeling good about Malik Davis I know you like the player as well I'm interested if he's your number one Or if he was left off Or what you thought about the situation But for me Malik Davis, Cowboys, is my number two
0: handcuff going into the season. Uh, yeah, Malik Davis is my number one. Uh, if we look at kind of the way situation evolved last year, uh, that, that touch – Aspect of the running backs for the Dallas Cowboys last year was pretty even between Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. You and I talked about the best player on the Cowboys offensively last year. We 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 knew it was Pollard. Uh, we thought he should have been used more. He's going to get his opportunity to be used more this coming year uh, if he can avoid injury. I, I see Pollard touching the ball somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 350 times. And you probably see Malik Davis, you know, a, a small share of that 500-plus Touches that those two running backs had, he probably gets like 150. But because of that, um, he is to me a clear cut number one handcuff hand uh, this year, whereas that's the guy that I have at number
1: one. Yeah, and League Davis is the, is the perfect description of the handcuff, where at this point, if Pollard's a full go, you'll be able to get him for almost a minimum in auction leagues and in snake drafts. You'll be able to get him in the last round or one of the next to last round or the end of the snake draft. And he's certainly the guy that will get the lion's share of the carries, number one. And number two, it is obvious to me that he's going to get in there and he's going to do something about it uh, if he gets the opportunity. So Malik Davis... um, is someone who's at the top of both of our lives. I have him at two. You have him at one, which leads me to my number one, which is Elijah Mitchell uh, from the 49ers, who Shanahan just loves. I mean, he wants to play him, and he was you know, eating into some of McCaffrey's carries as well. I think that's you know, kind of like a, a load management thing that you want to do for McCaffrey. But I'm guessing because you left him off completely, you're looking at like Jordan Mason and some of these other guys on the 49ers. But for me, um, when there was an opportunity, even coming off an injury, Shanahan wanted to get Elijah Mitchell in there. That was my thought process. That's why I have him at number one. Tell me what your thinking was by leaving um, McCaffrey's backups off the board.
0: Yeah, it was a a really tough call because if you're going to ask me, So let's let's phrase it this way. If you were to ask me who I think the best second running backs are on a lot of teams, Elijah Mitchell is going to be close to number one, uh, in my opinion, Uh, just on ability, right? And the fact that the coach really likes him and the fact that they want to run the football. But, you know, I guess I was a little bit scared off by two things. One, I'm a little bit scarred of him going down. I drafted him last year. In multiple leagues, so I'm scarred because he, uh, he went down early and really hurt me and had me scrambling um, to find alternatives when he did go down. Uh, and the fact that, like you said, Jordan Mason there, I've heard a little bit better press on Tyrian Davis' price, price this year, and for those reasons, I was a little chicken uh, to put Elijah Mitchell at the top of the list. Though, like I said, if you would ask me who I think the best second running backs are in the league, Elijah Mitchell is going to come close to that top spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this. um, We didn't talk about any players, but we talked about how difficult this process was. So it seems that we have, you know, Davis, Ford, and Algier entrenched in that spot. And we we had those three players, just a little difference of – the other two spots that we had and, you know, one we both admitted that we kind of like went off out of the box on. But it just shows how how the NFL, to your point, which you talk about often, is how the NFL has really changed at running back. Um, and the the term handcuff it really only applies to a certain amount of teams. And then it's very difficult to maybe pass through that um and figure out who would get the lion's share of the carries. So that's why I think the whole process of doing this is a little difficult. But I I feel I I like the names that we came up with, uh, the three similar names, and then a few other ones that maybe you had and I didn't and I had that you didn't. So I I think it it makes for an interesting um, conversation. And that's because the NFL has just evolved, changed, and view running backs – in such a different way than uh, certainly uh, 10, 15 years ago.
0: Yeah, look, it's a deeper position, right? So the reality is, was when we think about, and these are just quick names off the top of my head, we talked about A.J. Dillon. You have Jamal Williams in New Orleans now. Damian Harris is in Buffalo. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan is in Denver. Singletary's in Houston. Jalen Warren, who's getting all kinds of positive press in Pittsburgh. We talked about the Charbonnet uh, backing up uh, Kenneth Walker Jr. Uh, you're starting to hear a lot of chiming about uh, Antonio Gibson's role in the new Biennemi offense. We know Devonta, De, Deonta Foreman is backing up or 1A to to Khalil Herbert's 1B to Khalil Herbert's 1A. So uh, those are just quick names I'm just mentioning here. Just goes to show you how deep running. Like running back is legit, you know, 55 to 60 guys that are going to be valuable each and every week when it comes to fantasy production.
1: And, and, and how that comes to fruition in the real life of the NFL is when you see these teams refusing to pay all of that money to any of these guys. I mean, for goodness, for goodness' sake, um, Austin Eckler is an unbelievable player, and the Chargers said, "Okay, go see what you could do. Go if you could work out a trade with another team. If someone's willing to offer you all kinds of money, and no one's taking a bite in Austin Eckler, which shows you that the NFL, um, how they view running backs, how teams view their own running backs, and uh, that's a, it's a, it's a far cry." From where Emmitt Smith held out, the Cowboys lost the first game or two of the year. And then Jerry Jones says, okay, we'll break the bank and give you whatever you want. This is a different world now. This is a different NFL. It's kind of like, okay, next man up. This is why we had a draft. We'll, we'll use the guys we drafted. And we're not going to relent uh, and yield to demands that great running backs are making anymore. And that's just because of the depth of the position and how the position is viewed at, and uh, it relates to fantasy football and it relates to contracts as well
0: yeah, and uh, you know I look at depth charts where almost every team has three very capable bodies on their roster uh, at the running back position it's kind of like the major league bullpen basically
1: yeah, and that's why I like uh it's difficult because teams don't really have many situations where there's going to be lion shares of the carry where there would be a handcuff usually with all of those examples you gave those are more one one situations where both of those players um, on those teams have standalone value themselves that's why if you're going to say okay A.J. Dillon is going to be a top five guy if something was to have Aaron Jones that, that's all well and good, but in an auction draft, you're going to have to pay up to get both players. And in a snake draft, it's not like you could draft Aaron Jones in round three and then say, oh, okay, I'll wait till round 12 to get A.J. Dillon. That's not how it works. And uh, for, for, for the exercise of this podcast, uh, we, we're giving examples of players that you can wait till the end, but we also feel will be productive if they got their opportunity.
0: Well said, well done. Good job, Wiz, and we will talk next week. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast.
1: You got it.